anybody caught that. Anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. Well, this is February, and a lot of preachers and teachers have taught a love series all through the month of February for this Valentine's Day that comes along this month. I've never, never done that before. We're going to do that this month on Wednesday nights. We have four Wednesdays, and we are going to share these verses that I just read for these four Wednesdays of the month. I've, I've taught all eight of those verses in one message at least twice probably, but there is enough here to spread out over two months. But we're going to do it in one month. One fellow said, and it's very familiar to us all, I'm sure, I may not be a very smart man, but I know what love is. You know what? If he did get love right, it doesn't matter how smart he is. That's the, if you got that right, you're doing good because there, there's a lot of people that don't have that right. But we're going to have a help this month as we look at what is so commonly called the love chapter. It may be the most quoted portion of Scripture in the Bible. Uh, not the most quoted verse, none of these particularly. That would be John 3.16, Philippians 4.13, and some others. But as far as a portion of Scripture, uh, this might be the most quoted. Its, it's words are burnt into wood uh, as decorative items hanging on a wall or, or painted on a canvas. You will find these words embroidered on shirts or, or printed up on, on shirts everywhere you go. It's common to, to see things like this. Many preachers have used the month of February for a sermon series on love, and they have used these verses to do so. But what is this love 
of the Bible, this biblical love that we're going to share this month, what is it? What comes to your mind when you think about Christian love, when you think about this love that God is, biblical love, how would you define it? How do you describe it? What does it look like? You know, I think we can sometimes look at people and, and maybe just based on their personality try to tell whether they are a loving Christian or not. Look, some of the, you know, some of the, the, the greatest love I have seen and experienced from another Christian might be someone that looks abrasive on the surface. It's just their personality. But, and I say that just to say there's, there's a, a lot of fickle judgment that goes on concerning uh, what this love looks like and how it's carried out. Let me say this about this Christian love, this love of God. It is not mushy, okay? Um, it's not prompted by our feelings. The love of God, it doesn't have a foundation of our feelings. We'd all be in trouble if that were the case. No matter if our feelings are of tenderness, no matter if our feelings are of sadness, no matter if our feelings are of happiness. It's this love, it's not based on our feelings. Our feelings cannot govern the love of God. The focus of this love, it's... It's not about something we feel, it's an action. Christian love is an action that takes place. It's a love that acts, and it's a love that does. It doesn't seek to make someone feel good. As I say that, most of the time, many times, the love of God makes you feel real good. But that's not the aim of it. The the aim of the love of God is to seek the well-being of another at one's own expense. You give to someone this love, and it's going to cost you something in return. It's a self-sacrificial love. How better of an example do we have than, than God our Father, who gave His only begotten, His own precious Son, to come to this earth, to be betrayed, to suffer, and to die to pay our penalty. It costs us nothing to be saved. Freely by grace, we are saved. We are saved from the penalty of sin, but it costs God everything. And that was His love that did that. It cost Him something. It cost him his most prized possession, if you will, his own son. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us. That word commendeth means God has clearly shown. God put the spotlight on his love in action and showed it to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is God's love shown to us. He acted to meet our need. That's His love. 
and to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, to be born again, to have our sins forgiven, to become a child of God, realizing we're a sinner, and Jesus died for our sins, it is to, Romans 5, 5 in my Bible tells me, it's to receive the love of God. It's been shed abroad in our hearts when we're saved. And then we love like we've never loved before. It takes being saved to love with this love. First John, First John chapter 4 says a lot about this love. Verse 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And then you go down to 1 John 4, 16, and it says, He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Paul is talking to Corinth about love. He shared with Thessalonica about love. He shared with uh, the, the church at Colossae about love. He shared with other churches, and we learn uh, from what he shared that the love from God that dwells in us is to be demonstrated to others. And that this love is to flow out of a pure heart. It's a a pure love, this love is, that we're speaking of. And and for it to be a pure love that we love with, with, that requires the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be able to love this way. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit, the results of the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives, the first thing said is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The church must be Spirit-filled to love with a pure love. The church is not going to survive without the love of God in the church. It must reign supremely in the church. What, what is love? What does it look like? How do we define it? It's not, it's not just the nicest we can be in, 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 in a cheerful countenance in our, in our greatest human effort. That's, that's not what the love of God is. It's not, a, it's not from human effort. It's a Holy Spirit-empowered love through our lives. In understanding what we're going to get into in chapter 13 here, uh, first of all, at the end of chapter 12, it speaks of a more excellent way. We find in... And the end of chapter 12, verse 31, covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes on to tell us that that way is love. The greatest of the gifts is love. It's the deepest, most extraordinary gift. As we consider this love, it's the, it's the highest form of of any love that you and I can ever know this love that God is. It's greater than the gifts that Corinth was esteeming so high. In order to, to understand why Paul's speaking the way he is here, 
we, we kind of need to go into that for a minute. And that is that there were these temporary gifts before the Bible was complete that God had given out and, and they were gifts to be used for God's glory. But many people had the wrong idea and the wrong reason why they wanted these gifts. They wanted gifts that they weren't gifted with. They were all wanting certain gifts. And, and uh, we, we see the biggest problem uh, comes about by the order of these gifts. They, they loved certain gifts for the attention that the gifts gained them. Believing that they would be admired as super spiritual if they had this certain gift or, or that gift, and they could show them off in front of others. They were more interested in themselves and how they appeared than they were in other people. And by the way, that, that's a sign of a lack of love surfacing and being active in someone's life. And, and so maybe that short summary will help us to understand how this chapter starts off. We're going to look at the first three verses tonight. The heart of what we call the, this love portion is going to be in verses 4 through 7, and, and there's a special reason why we're not even going to get there this evening, but we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 And I'd like to title this portion tonight, Who Cares? Who cares? Who cares what we say? Who cares how we teach? Who cares what we know? Who cares what we give if we have not love? You'll notice the last couple of words at the end of verse 2. It says, I am nothing. You'll notice also at the end of verse 3, it says, It profiteth me nothing. And there's the same phrase in both of those verses that we find before those words. And it says, If we have not charity. And that word charity is love. Without love, we are nothing. And that word nothing is not something just a, just, just a filler right there. It's not something we just sweep away and don't consider because there's something very absolute about this word nothing. It means we know nothing, not at all. There's a double negative involved in this. We are not one thing. It, we are nothing if we don't have love. It's absolute. It's a very serious problem for a Christian. It's a very serious problem for a church if we are not appropriating love in the lives of others. It's so important that before we get to this description of love that we're going to share for the next three weeks, we're going to share about five things a night for for three nights for the next month. And But we're going to introduce it tonight by saying, first of all, who cares? Who cares what we're doing if we're not practicing love? So Paul's telling Corinth, without love, who cares what you say? Look with me in verse 1 and let's read it again. 
Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a, a tinkling cymbal. Tongues is the first thing that's mentioned, and I believe that's in order for a certain reason. These are used gifts, or maybe I should say these are abused gifts. And so this gift of tongues, people thought that they would be looked upon as speaking in this, in this heavenly, angelic sounding language. It's, it's languages. It's, it's languages that are being said, but, but they feel like they would be looked upon as, as speaking uh, in, in such a special, beautiful, spiritual way that, that they would be admired. They, they thought that this was the, the, the highest and the best gift to have. And, and, and so some had the gift of tongues, others didn't, but they acted like they did and they wanted it. And it was, it was an abused mess. You know, when this temporary gift was about, they were to speak uh, only three times in a service and one at a time, never overlapping the other one. So you think about what's even going on today that someone is still saying is happening and, and that they not even following the, the order of Scripture when it was uh, in existence. But this first one, tongues, it says, they were in error concerning the, their motive with this gift. And by the way, that is why... Paul is saying what he's saying here when he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. The reason why he's saying this, he's saying even if I spoke in various languages, or, or hey, even, even if I spoke as, as an angel did, who cares? If God's love is not pouring through me and being practiced in and out of my life, in the lives of others. Now, for that specific instruction, we can't exactly apply it today concerning tongues because this is something that has ceased. But we might think about someone who has a great ability with words. You know, I mean, just... just a way to put words together in such a way that would make your eyes well up with tears, make your lip quiver, but, but you know, after you shake and bake and boil and broil what's being said later on, you're thinking, man, I was moved, but it, but it really wasn't by, by much. But then there, it sounded spiritual, but there wasn't much substance to it. But even if there's a great orator of the truth, and they are really sharing the truth of God and beautifully speaking in such a poetic way, but, but there's no love coupled with that in their lives. There's not going to be any power in what they're saying and it's not going to bring about an effect that it should. And it, definitely not in their life. All the, all the beautiful speech that would be heard, it's, it's really something that's ultimately irritating. It's something that is obnoxious and loud and, and clanging, like, 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 like slamming these, these different materials together that, that could be used for music, but it has no melody to it going forth whatsoever. 
It's putting forth religious effort with no effects. If the words and the works we do are not laced with the love of God. And, and so, if love's not going on, who cares what someone says? Who cares what we teach? Look at verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy... Obviously, the Bible's not finished here because God is giving Paul through the Holy Spirit this letter to send to Corinth. So, there was prophecy. There were some who had the gift to utter unrevealed truth. They didn't have to study. They didn't have to give thought to what they were saying. God was just giving revelation right through them. They, they weren't doing any groundwork in advance concerning the Word of God. It was just given. Some preachers say, man, I kind of wish I'd had that every now and then. But that was a gift then. How, how admirable would that be? Some have said and did say in the wrong attitude. What, what a thrilling gift to have. What, how thrilling it would be to others. I mean, to be able to tell the future. To be able to tell something, and it is truth from heaven, and it's not written down anywhere, but it come right out of my mouth. Yeah, that's the gift that I would like to have. That would make me look very impressive. That was the attitude of some in Corinth. They weren't even in a good spiritual condition, some of them, but they wanted to appear that way. They wanted to appear as though they were spiritual. There was no power in any of it, though, if they were detached from God's love operating through their lives. The, the gift of tongues that was, the gift of prophecy that was, it was nothing if there was not love. So without love, who cares what we teach? How about, how about without love, who cares what we know? We continue to look in verse 2, and we see understand all mysteries. Not something that was mysterious, but something that was truth. And there were those who had understanding or to have perception of the definite meaning of spiritual things. And it wasn't something you could come up with in human reasoning. It was a, a gift that was given and knowledge would, would speak of deep knowledge. And, and so with many, there wasn't a passion for these gifts for the right reason. There was a passion for these gifts for how they would be portrayed, for how they would look in the use of these gifts before those in their vicinity, that they would be appearing as highly intelligent before those around them. They wanted to be admired and and we're going to see, we're going to think back when we go forward of the next three weeks, when we describe love, we're not going to see where it's love when it's attention on self, when, when we ourselves want praise, when we ourselves want to be honored. That is not love. And so this understanding and this knowledge, and you go and you see the gift of faith here next, and it's all nothing if there is not love, that, that, that gift of faith, you may think, well, hey, that's a, that's a continuous gift today. We all come to, 
to faith in Jesus Christ and we live by faith. Well, this was a gift and there was such a gift that it was tied to the carrying out of, of supernatural things from God. Even, even miracles and, and, and tied to it would be one's great trust in God to bring it about. That would amaze others. And that was the thought of some. I'd like to have this gift. It amazes others. But, you know, God wasn't impressed if there was no union in love with this gift of faith that was going on. So, who cares about an exceptional level of trust if there is no love going on? It was absolute nothingness without self-sacrificial love shown to others. And then we continue in verse 3, and we see who cares what we give if we have not love. Verse 3 says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Let me go ahead and stop right there for a second. That word bestow means to give a thing to feed someone. The gift of giving is beautiful, and it's very profitable. And it's not just profitable to the one who's being given to. It's, it's profitable to the one who's doing the giving. And this is something designed by God, and, and, and it's a beautiful thing. It's wonderful for a Christian to make a debit from their life, to make a deposit into the life of another, of someone with a legitimate need. Both are, are both the recipient and the giver profit from the whole experience of giving when it's done in the right way. For the right reason, motive matters in all we do. And there's and giving can take place for the wrong reason. I remember when I was a kid and there was this the the Jerry Lewis thing where they raised money on TV and 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 I just heard a rumor of how the story went. I did see something on TV that had to do with this. The the camera was, was shown on a man who walked in and, and laid that check down and, and gave his amount and they announced what he gave and then he walked back out and got in his car and left. And they put the camera on him when they did that and rumor was it was because of how much he gave that, and that was a request of him or his entourage or something, I don't know. But, but when you think about this gift of giving, it, it can be done in the wrong way. Some give only to be seen. And, and so that will bring about no profit to the giver. And that kind of giving isn't joined with love. And as we continue in this verse, it says, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And then there's something here that, that really got my attention in such a way that said just these verses right here, building up to the description of love. We, we must start with this because we have something here that gets our attention in such a great way. Uh, God is making His point clear on any Christian service that's without sacrificial love. 
at the end of verse 3. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. We would consider dying for our faith the greatest sacrifice we could make. That, that we would be a martyr. I, I know of someone that uh, the, the only other church I pastored, we supported a missionary. And, and as the story goes, he, he stood before someone of a different belief and, and told him to renounce his faith in Christ. And, and the, the, the account of it was, I will never do that, and I want you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And, and that, that missionary died for his faith right there. And you think about the rewards that he would have in heaven for that. And we look at these words that get our attention in such a way because what they're saying is that if love isn't found in the martyr for their faith, then they die on this earth and stand before the Lord and have nothing for that. If there is not love in their lives. When we break down the devastation of the lack of the practice of Christian love in our lives, it will make us embrace, closely meditate on, and examine our lives for this description of love that we're going to look into and see the characteristics of for the next couple of weeks. So, so let one of our last thoughts tonight be, Let us do this math. So we have what we know, plus what we accomplish, plus what we give, plus what we are, plus what we sacrifice, minus love, and it's zero. We we are nothing without God's love working in and through our lives. Think about that. Think about all the, you know, think about the church at Ephesus. How you've done all this, you've done all this, right? However, I have somewhat against thee. Thou hast left thy first love. Think about doing all the things that, that we're to do that's right in the Lord's true church, and we're serving Him, but it doesn't count if His love isn't being practiced and poured through our lives to someone else. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't like doing something for nothing. If I get out and bend down and wash my car and then it rains, I consider that something for nothing, and I can't stand it. You know, if, if, if the house gets all clean and then all of a sudden my, my son wants five friends over and they're eating in the game room and, and his room's a mess before you know it and... I, I just I just can think about all that work of getting everything cleaned up, and it's and it's all for nothing is the way I look at it. If any of you cook like my dear sweet mother, who was so faithful to cook at least two meals a day all my childhood, but if you cook like her and you and you leave things in the oven and they burn to the extent that it's not even edible and you can't eat it, you just throw it away. I, it's something that is all for nothing. What about serving the Lord with nothing to show for it? Because we didn't serve 
with love in our hearts, His love in our hearts, expressed in all we do and expressed to our neighbor, expressed to the lost person, expressed to the church in all we do. We must be careful with the things that could cause us to fade in love. And I'm just going to try to end on this note, but, but hurtful things that happen in our lives. It's not God's fault. He's not to be blamed. But you know what? Some people can let the love of God fade from their lives over hurtful things that happen. How about hatefulness of people coming against you? That can, that can tempt us to have that work on our lives in such a way that, that God's love isn't working through us. How about the problem Corinth had? One of the problems. How about haughtiness over the good things that they were able to do and that they were, they were able to have and use those spiritual gifts. And, and there was a lot of haughtiness over it by their attitude of why they wanted that gift. Or how about, that's also part of their problem, which could be part of any Christians today, hungry for attention to self. All of these things can distract us from God's love working in and through our lives. And so before we get into these very popular descriptions of love, I just pray it's something that that I take more serious than I ever have before, the many times I've looked at it. And and for every single one of us, that, that God helps us to look at it in such a special way, that we examine our hearts, that we see how important it is that, that we find these spiritual, vital signs of love flowing through our lives in all that we do and to others. So next week, we will pick up in verse 4, and we will, we will share about five of these uh, distinct descriptions and, and so on as the weeks go on. So I, I pray God has done something to help each and every one of us with His Word tonight, and, and we might consider the seriousness of what God is conveying to us about doing what we do in love. Amen. Um, let me see. Who wants to close in prayer tonight? Brother Rome Hickey, go ahead and close our Bible study in prayer, sir. God bless you all.